Hello, and welcome to And That's It, featuring Juno and Derek. I'm Derek. I'm Juno. And we're best friends. And we talk about stuff. Yes, and uh, today we're talking about The Howling from 1980. But before we talk about The Howling, once again, right before this recording, Juno and I have watched a fun little movie. We did. Last week we watched Batman and Robin. Incredible. Incredible. And this week we watched Bride of Chucky. Equally incredible. we're going to follow after this recording, (laughs) The Seed of Chucky. Because obviously. So, yeah, Juno... I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about Bride of Chucky on the podcast someday. Probably. For now, before we get into, like, a whole episode about it, what are your just, like, immediate thoughts after watching? Um, I loved it. That was great. I haven't haven't seen the last four. Is that what I said? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen the last four of the Chucky series, so Derek and I are going to work our way through them. But that was incredible. I think the actress who plays Tiffany is Jennifer Jennifer Tilly. Tilly is... An icon. Deserves the world. Yes, yes. Mary and I are big fans. I love her. <laughs> also, I have to I have to show you a picture of what she looks like today. I want you to guess how old she is. Oh, okay. Hold up. Oh, wow. How old do you think she is? I have not a single clue. I truly do not know. Just make a guess. She based looks... On, based on... Based on this photo alone, she looks like she's in her 30s, maybe. She's 61. This woman is made of plastic. She doesn't age. Good for her. Everybody take a page out of Jennifer Tilly's book. When you see what she looks like in the most recent Chucky movie, like, you're going to scream. I'm excited. (laughs) I love her. Wow, wow, I love her. And, of course, she will be returning in next year's Chucky TV show. Oh. Um, So that's going to be a fun romp. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Man, what a fun, what a fun little movie. What a good movie. It's it's so great when a movie can be fun despite having, like, the worst protagonists. Facts. Well, I had no idea Katherine Heigl was in it. Mm. I watched a whole bunch of her movies with my mother the other night when I was, oh, like, really? super sad. What what movies? <laughs> um, oh, fuck. We watched the one that was based off of the Janet Ivanovich mystery. Yes, One for the Money. Yes, I one read, for the Money. I've read almost all of those books. I love that for you. I'm not going to lie, I slept through half of it. It was a long day. It's well, it's kind of a slog of a movie. Yes. And then we watched um the one that she's in with Ashton Kutcher. The Killers. Yes, we watched the Killers, which I really enjoyed. Yes. <laughs> I just I really enjoy her. She plays the um semi helpless but not actually helpless heroine very well. Hmm. I like it. Well, she is genuinely helpless in this movie. Truly. She <laughs> you can't do it. Oh man, Jesse and Jade are kind of like the worst. I wouldn't choose them as bodies they suck. personally. I mean, I guess they're, like, hot. Yeah, they're so, like, nice. that's all you need the body for. Like, you don't retain True. any of their personality True, or anything. You right. just get the... So, that's... So, I think they make good vessels. Yes. But, like... As people. The fact that we have to spend so much time with them kind of sucks. I just don't care. But every other character in that movie is, like, a character. Yeah. So, like, it's populated with these really either... Just big personalities, and then you have these two bland teens at the center, and yes. it's like, uh, uh, and like you can't let go of them; they just keep going. Yes, everyone else around them keeps dying, and you hope it's going to be them, but no, it's but everyone no, else. Everybody else does. Well, I'm glad that you have seen this. Me too. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm glad. it has one of my favorite gags, uh, which is. 
Chucky's locked in a playpen and he has a little um, toy like that teaches kids how to spell <laughs> words. And so the word he spell he he has to spell is woman, but um, he spells it B I T C H. And I just think that's so funny. When <laughs> my sister and I watched it for the first time, we reroute we rewound it to watch that joke again because we were <laughs> laughing so hard. I like that. You know what you like. Yes. And it's Chucky being a misogynist. Exactly. No shame. It's true. Chucky <laughs> is best when he is a raging misogynist. When he's the worst. Yeah. He, he is the best when he's the worst. Yeah. I mean, it's different in the remake because it's like a different character totally Mm -hmm. so like even though chucky in the remake isn't like a misogynist he's actually very sympathetic like he is very sympathetic so like it's different yeah but but no man brad dorif is chucky is great when he's just (sighs) bad i dig it yeah i'm into it but as i mentioned today we're talking about joe dante's 1980 werewolf film the howling Mm -hmm. so some production stuff as i said it was directed by joe dante who like really prolific horror director he did piranha in 1978 and he this movie because it was so successful it, it prompted warner brothers to hire dante and michael finnell um one of the producers of this movie for 1984's classic gremlins which is just phenomenal so they know Uh, what they're doing uh this was made on a budget of 1.5 million but it made 18 million at the box office so you know uh sorry i said it's 1980 it came out in march of 1981 the reason i get I got confused with the year. It was because it won the Saturn Award for Best Horror Film in 1980. The way that those award years are weird. But it worked out so that in 1981, there are three high-profile werewolf movies. Mm -hmm. We're talking about two of them. So we have The Howling. We have An American Werewolf in London and Wolfen. But because of release dates, The Howling won the 1980 Award for Best Horror Film an American Werewolf in London won the 1981 award <laughs> for best horror film. And Wolfen just kind of gets lost. But honestly, that's not a bad thing, I think, because I read the plot synopsis. And it seems kind of racist in the way that Twilight is racist. Oh, well, good thing we don't ever have to talk about it ever again. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, The Howling stars Scream Queen D. Wallace as karen white now d wallace is super prolific actor he, so many things you've I, definitely seen something she's in and the reason i say you definitely have seen something she's in is because she's the mom in et yes she's the mom in et she's, she's a, in the hills have eyes mm-hmm. she's in a whole bunch of rob zombie movies mm-hmm. she, yeah she's in cujo mm-hmm. she's in critters She's in The Frighteners. She's actually really good in The Frighteners, which I highly recommend um, if you haven't seen it. It's not, like, a great movie, but it's a lot of fun. She's in, what was the other one I was thinking of? Uh, she's in Halloween, Rob Zombie's Halloween, mm-hmm. as we mentioned, Rob Zombie yep. movies. And she's in The House of the Devil um, in a fun little cameo at the beginning of that movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's nice to see that she's, like, she's still working today. But The Howling is kind of her first, like... Well, I guess The Hills Have Eyes is her first lead role, but The Howling is her first, like, mainstream kind of 
lead role. Because yeah. The Hills Have Eyes is like, it's this indie, really violent horror movie, and Howling is definitely more palatable to yeah, yeah. mainstream audiences. Um, and then E.T. came right after this. So, yeah. She stays working. She do be working. Uh, it also stars in supporting roles Patrick McNee, Dennis Dugan, Christopher Stone, and Belinda Belaski. Mm-hmm. So it, re- it received generally positive reviews upon release with praise for the makeup special effects by Rob Botten or Botin, who knows? It is set to be remake, uh, remade. Uh, is set to be remade by Andy Muschietti, the director of It and It Chapter Two for Netflix. Um, that was just announced this past January. Um, it of course spawned one of the longest running horror franchises <laughs> with a whopping seven sequels. Yep. Not one, not two, not three, but seven Seven sequels. That means there are eight Howling movies. That's too many. There are seven Child's Play movies, not counting remakes. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it's really interesting that this movie got so many sequels. But they were all, like, financially successful. So, like, that's just... I mean, you know, if you got it, flaunt it. Exactly. Um... Fun fact, another connection to American Werewolf. Mm. Again, Rick Baker was supposed to do the effects (laughs) for this movie, but he then left to work on American Werewolf since they were shooting it around the same time. So, yeah. um, The Howling is, I think, in my mind, most notable for its poster, which I like. It's a great poster. It's a good one. I recognized the poster before I like even read the plot synopsis. I was like, "Oh, I know that." Um, yeah, it's pretty. It's it's a pretty great poster. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I only knew this movie by reputation beforehand, mm-hmm. so it was very different than I was expecting it to be. And maybe if I had not thought it was going to be something different, I might have liked it more. I didn't hate this movie. But it was just, it, it, it. I thought it was going to be much more of a revolutionary werewolf yeah. movie. And I guess, you know, maybe at the time it was. But, like, it, it seems uh, very basic to me. Mm-hmm. In the way that, like, Friday the 13th is a very basic slasher. And I also find Friday the 13th incredibly boring. Yes. The first one. Yes. Agreed. So, just know right now, if there's any Howling fans, I know you're out there. If there's any Howling fans listening to this, you can like the movie. That's fine. Our opinions take nothing away from that. Correct. Like, we just didn't get it. Yeah. It wasn't our thing. It wasn't for us. But not everything has to be. I mean... Take our opinions with a grain of salt. We do like Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> that was a self burn. That was a rare one. Yeah. I think our opinions just are what they are. They are. They reflect who we are as people. And we, the people, didn't like the Howling. And we also like Batman and Rock. <laughs> and we do. And we have no regrets about it. Because it's a good movie. Because it's a good movie. And so is Suicide and Squad. And deserved a sequel. And yeah. that's that on that. And that's that on that. And that's it. <laughs> so. That's it on the Howling. Bye. (laughs) Bye.
that uh, this our plot synopsis is going to be a lot shorter this week because I think we're literally just going to be like this is the story and then we're going to I want to talk more about the implications of some of the things in the movie sure because I think this movie does set up a movie like Ginger Snaps to talk about the things it does through a werewolf Mm-hmm. mythology if that makes sense mm-hmm. um only instead of like puberty um this movie uses werewolves as like a method to talk about sexual assault and trauma yeah which is a really interesting idea mm-hmm. um but i'm not sure that this movie just from a film standpoint has aged very gracefully no it's pretty clunky so, yeah, it, it. I mean, again, I think the idea is very strong. Um, and I really like D. Wallace, mm-hmm. but the way it's put together is just, yeah, it's clunky. Yeah. It doesn't always make a ton of sense, which is fine. I'm okay with movies that don't make a ton of sense, but then, like, I don't know. I think, yeah, if what they were going for was, like, a poignant, like, parallel between sexual assault and being a werewolf and, like, those trying to make a, a message stick there, it has not aged very well and definitely needed more than one set of eyes to maybe have been, like, did we do a good job with this? Right. It's not that it's no. It's not that it's distasteful or anything. No. No, it actually I think it handles the subject very respectfully. It's just it's not just it, super it, it's clear. not yeah. It's not failing on a thematic standpoint. It's failing on like a a film standpoint. Like yes. it, it's just not it's hard to follow. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say it's hard to follow cuz the plot's very simple, but it's it's a lot of meandering. There's, there's where it doesn't need to be. Long movie for how little happens. It's also not that long. Exactly. Which is, <laughs> I think, the problem that we're gracefully moving around. Yes. It's just too much and too little at the same time. Yeah. Um, so, things I do like about the movie. I like the opening sequence and I like the ending. Okay. It's just that everything in between <laughs> feels kind of pointless. Yes. Visually, I do like the scenes when they are either running through the woods or looking in nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do they serve a purpose? No, but they are nice to look at. So they have that going for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I also like the design of the werewolves. Yes, I do like the design of the werewolves. They are creepy and yeah. disgusting. Yes. And the transformation scene is gross. So nasty. So, this movie is not a complete dumpster fire. Like, no. It's not Underworld Evolution. Absolutely not. It's better than Underworld Evolution. But it's also not Rise of the Lycans. No. <laughs> uh-uh. I like how we can use those as kind of... I think those are good parallels. It, uh, because like, those, again, were movies that should have had a second set of eyes. Being like, Well, no. I mean, uh, Underworld... I mean, we can use those movies as, like, different of the spectrum. With uh, Underworld Evolution. From one series. I get yeah, you. Yeah. Underworld Evolution, like, stop. And then Rise of the Lycans, which we gave an A minus. Give me more, yes. True. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, I think this does definitely lean for me one way over the other. Yes. And we'll talk about it. <laughs> I think it falls kind of in the middle of them. Mm. But yeah, we'll talk about it. Do you know do you want to lead us through the plot? Yeah, let's do it. Let's bust through this bitch. We open 
on a what is an un undercover mixed with I don't even know how to describe it. Karen White has been getting weird calls and attention from a man named Eddie. So mm -hmm. she sets up a meeting with him, or he sets up a meeting with her. Yes. And we are watching her film crew and her news station keep an eye out, and they are not doing a very good job. No. <laughs> because they don't have any contact with her, and they can't hear her mic. Right. And she is in the middle of, what city are they in? L.A.? Yeah, they're in L.A. She's in the middle of a busy city. I mean, this movie only makes sense if they're in Los Angeles. True. Fair <laughs> enough. Last week, too. Yeah, two L.A. Two movies that really, like, are Maybe L.A. movies. to be celebrity heavy. Yes. So, yeah, so Karen White is meeting up with Eddie, who is a murderer. Mm -hmm. Like, we know this. He murdered people. Yes. Um, is meeting up with him and... The, she she ahead. meets him in an adult yes she meets video him in, store in bookstore an adult store yes that doesn't lean towards objects but rather porn yes oh, also fun fact hmm. the guy who plays the um the store owner is dick miller who's a really really prolific character actor including appearing in both gremlins movies oh that's fun yeah i like that um, so yeah, Karen rolls up. Oh, oh also, this is very important to me. Hmm. But in the adult store, and this truly made me lose my mind, the grandma from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is there. Queen shit. And if you remember the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know the grandma's just a corpse. She's just a But I, I literally, the prop... Of the grandma corpse, like, is in the video. It's, it's, yeah. Some people get their socks off like that. So, anyways, automatic one more star for this movie. One, they get an extra that, point for grandma. They get an extra point for having the grandma from Texas Chainsaw. <laughs> However, no one is earning points in the video booth that Karen ends up in. No. Because Eddie is like, sit down and watch this. Right. And she's like, can I look at you? And he goes, no. And turns on, and she's forced to watch this woman get sexually assaulted. Right. And it's... It's unclear if it's real or not. It's unclear. They are in a porn It's probably... Shop. However... It's probably porn. But it's still rape porn. It's still rape porn. And... Which is traumatic enough industry, to watch. The porn industry is not necessarily always an awesome industry. No, there's definitely... Young female women. Definitely many problems. Yes. So, um, who can say? Either way, it is definitely a visual affront. Yes. But then it goes one step further, and he attempts to assault her. He does. In the booth. However, the police arrive just in time, and for the only time in history, prevent a sexual assault. They do. They do one good job. However, they do it by shooting early, and they kill him right there. Or so they think. Yes. Um. And so, for the rest of this movie now, Karen is almost catatonic. She doesn't remember anything. She doesn't want to remember anything. Like, she keeps having dreams about the assault, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, oh, also, because um, it'll come back later, Addie has a calling card, which is just, like, a yellow smiley face. Mm -hmm. Which I think is cool. Yeah, I like But, it. like, I don't think they did enough with it. No. They should... Mm. It could have been such a cool visual thing, yes. but then it, it wasn't. It looked like a, just a sticker. <laughs> um. So, yes, her news... Um, 
station. News station? Mm-hmm. Yes, her news station has failed to keep in contact with her, but did send the police out to find her. So they did one good thing for her. And back at the station, her husband is there with her um, co-workers, her boss, and her best friend, who are also her co-workers. Mm-hmm. And they're all listening to a psychologist talk on air. And this psychologist is actually her work-funded psychologist, who she is forced to see, or who she is encouraged to see after the event occurs, um, Dr. Wagner. And he says, okay, well... You can't remember anything. You're super skittish around your husband. I think you should go to the colony, which is his remote psychological facility slash rehabilitation center, a resort. It is unclear to me exactly what the colony is calling itself, but she goes. Oh, right. I was like, they're calling themselves the colony. But I get what I get what you mean now. I was like, but they're just called the colony. It's just the colony. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like a retreat. I yeah. would say it's the closest I could yeah. think of. It's a very LA retreat. Oh, for sure. I suppose that makes sense to me. Like a rehab retreat, like a place where you go to like find yourself and get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's a pretty place. She and her yeah, husband Bill drive up. And it's like a beautiful scenic drive. They roll up. It's nighttime when they get there. Mm-hmm. And they're just, everybody is standing around outside. Yeah. Having a barbecue. And also everyone's very, like, wants to talk to her. Yes. Because she's famous. Yeah. She's super famous. So the reason that, she, what triggered her to go to the colony is that she went on air. And she was like, I'm ready. Was not ready. Yeah, she was she absolutely Totally not ready. was not ready. So that's why. Everybody knows that she had this. Thing happened to her. Everybody knows she wasn't ready to get back on air. So now she's at the colony and everybody there still knows who she is. Mm-hmm. And so she's forced into these really awkward conversations with people. Her husband is also forced into awkward conversations with people and then is approached. Well, they're approached by this couple that's like, you're our second favorite news anchor after the um, Oriental one, which I was like, this was made in the 80s. <laughs> yes. Whew. Um. Yeah, so they just meet a whole bunch of really unique characters, a lot of interesting people. Bill is approached at the punch bowl by a nymphomaniac named Marsha. Yes. She's super sexy wearing a leather dress. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bill is like, I gotta go. <laughs> but clearly something's happening there. Yes. Um, some old man tries to kill himself. The doctor <laughs> is like, don't do that. You're okay. Go to bed. And that's pretty much her introduction to the colony. Lots exactly. of weird shit happens, and it doesn't really seem like a place you would go to get rehab. But I don't. What do I know? Uh, and then we don't need to talk about it exactly as it happened. We can just hit every point. Yes, that's my thought. Um, so while she's at the colony, her friends, um, um, her friends who are uh, named Chris and Terry. Terry. Chris and Terry are investigating Eddie. Yes. And Terry finds this drawing mm-hmm. of like this nature. And she's like, I wonder if this is a real place. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. It is. It is. Here's the thing. Terry is so much more interesting than Karen. So much more interesting. And I... The problem... You see, I don't... This this isn't an inherent flaw because the Invisible Man has a very similar protagonist who's compelling the entire movie. But Karen, for some reason, I think it's the way she's written, mm-hmm. just loses. Also, she's she's not there. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like in the Invisible Man, we're with Elizabeth Moss in basically every single scene. Yeah, that's true. A lot happens that's important without Karen in yeah. the shot or really involved at all. Right. She she takes such a back seat to everything, and I think that's that's another thing that doesn't help the movie. Because mm-hmm. if Dee Wallace is your star, you don't you don't need to like sideline her. No, Come you on. should have her do interesting. Show things. some goddamn respect. Literally, she's more than a pretty face. Exactly, um, and so it kind of sucks that we're <laughs> that we're introduced to this character who's more interesting because they do things, but we are. Yeah, and it's it's good because she is intriguing and like yeah. Every time Terry is on stage, I'm like, yes, girl, on stage. On st- <laughs> Every time Terry is on screen, I'm like, "Yes, girl, give me everything." Because she's like inquisitive and yeah. smart, and I like Belinda Bolasky in this yeah. movie. I she thought she a did a nice job. job. I would agree. So we're, we then follow Terry really mm-hmm. for the next part of the movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, during this time, Bill gets bitten. Bill, yeah, Bill is scratched on his way back. Or scratched, right? By from where to where? It's on his arm. Yeah. Because later he gets scratches on his back that weren't there. Right, because those are from... Sex. Sexy times. Mm-hmm. But... And Karen's like, those... Uh, the animal didn't attack you on your back. Those weren't there before. He's like, yes. leave it, Karen. Yeah, he's like, go to sleep, Karen. <laughs> yes. So, Karen and Bill are having marital issues. Right. Well, Bill gets attacked, and then um, as part of, you know... This is the third movie where werewolves, fourth movie where werewolves get sexy. Yeah, animal magnetism or mm-hmm. something. You just got to And then he has, a, he has sex with Marsha. He does. He is unable to resist her. He's unable to resist her. Which um, is distressing. And by the way, it's funny. You see literally every single inch of him except his dick. You do. It's true. We see a lot of this hairy white man. The, the way that, like... It's choreographed. I mean, truly. I mean, you'd literally see everything except his penis. Mm-hmm. And it's like, come on, movie. The last two movies we watched had wolf genitals. Yes. Give us something. But I guess this was maybe a little early in the werewolf. I guess. Whatever. Scene. We do see Marsha's boobs. We do. We not for that. very long, though. No, briefly. Yeah. It's not the way that, like... A Friday the 13th movie would show True, it's not gratuitous. Movies. You're just like, oh, yes, she is visually appealing. Yeah. We see a lot of Marsha. Yeah, again, we see everything. Oh, wait, no, we see everything, right? Well, yeah, we see her Just because when she disrobes. area. Right, because when she disrobes, she's like. <laughs> she's naked. She's not fully front facing, but she's like three quarters facing the camera. Yes. So you see basically everything. Ba- a lot. You see a so lot. So I just, I'm like, that's why I'm like, come on. <laughs> come on, show us everything. <laughs> Yes, so Bill and Marsha get it on outside of a, or next to a campfire, outside on the ground, and while they are boning, they turn into werewolves, which is when Bill gets scratched. Uh Uh-huh, on the back. So, yes, on the back. So then, Karen is suspicious, because he got scratched and he didn't return home all night long after they had this weird conversation where she was like, you're getting so distant. Um, And so, she wakes up alone, he comes home, he's got scratches on her, and she's just like, what the fuck? So then she yells at him or something and he hits her and then she runs away yeah. as you should yes because fuck that guy <laughs> exactly 
And then Terry shows up mm-hmm. at the colony. Yes, yeah, so this happened and Terry had shown up because Marsha had, or not Marsha, because Karen had called her. Yeah. No, was like, yeah, yeah. Something weird is happening. All that happens and then Terry shows up mm-hmm. after. And so then we're with Terry again for like the next few minutes. A good amount of time. More mm-hmm. more plot things happen with yeah. Terry there. <laughs> so she's investigating, mm-hmm. like going through rooms and shit. And she gets to this room of files and stuff. And she's going through and she finds that Eddie and Marsha have the same last name. Mm-hmm. And someone else does too. Yes, the Marsha's brother is there. Yeah. He's... Whatever. It doesn't matter. And so she calls Chris, who is her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. She calls Chris and she's like, hey, I'm really scared. She was chased by something? Well, yeah, you um, jumped over the part where she was at. So she goes and finds this file and and um, it connects Marsha and Eddie and then their other brother. But before she does that, she's investigating and she is drawn to Marsha's cabin where she finds a whole bunch of animal shit. Not literal poopy, but like a whole bunch of animal bones and all that jazz. And then a room in which there is art that looks just like Eddie's art, a smiley face that's just like Eddie's calling card, and... I believe when she leaves, or right before she gets there, she realizes that the beautiful landscape that Eddie had drawn is actually from right outside that cabin. Like, it is it yeah. is at the colony, mm-hmm. is where Eddie's uh, artwork came from. So she's, invest- she's digging around this cabin. Uh-huh. She is trespassing. Understandably, she is in someone's home. However, I would not open a door that is deeply, grossly locked in someone's home. We are not the same, Terry and I. Because she right. does open it, and a werewolf comes out. Exactly. She is an investigative she journalist. Is. You know what? I am not her. Yeah, me neither. And that Most is, people aren't Most Terry. people aren't. More props to Terry. Because Terry is an individual. So yes, I'm not Literally, like everyone else is not her. That's true. Um, Terry, the individual, does a great job of running and evading the werewolf. Goes, like, underneath the house or something. Has an axe. Cuts off the arm. Of the werewolf, and this, the werewolf's arm is just, like, sitting there, and then she watches it. Does it shrivel and turn back? Something happens to yeah, the arm, and it starts bubbling, and you're it's like... It's been a few days since I watched the Yes, it, it starts bubbling, and you're like, that's gross. Because they did talk earlier. Terry and Chris went to a bookstore and discovered that, like, you can only kill werewolves with fire or silver bullets. They can... Uh, when they lose body parts, they regenerate. Yeah. Werewolves are... Sturdy folk. Anyways, she calls Chris. She calls Chris. She gets back to the. She gets back to um, Doctor Wagner's office. Yes. Finds the files. Calls Chris. Is like Chris. You need to get your ass down here. Shit is happening. It is dangerous and it is weird. While on the phone with Chris, a werewolf comes in and attacks her. It becomes apparent that that werewolf is Eddie Quist, who is indeed not dead. Which we actually already knew because. <laughs> Because Terry and Chris went to the, <laughs> went to the morgue and found that his body was not there. Right. We clearly didn't enjoy this very much. We knew Eddie wasn't dead. We didn't know where he was. Turns out here he is, and he attacks uh, Terry, and she dies. Well, yes, but this is actually one shot that or one scene that I think we it's I think the we werewolf should trans- talk about the it. werewolf transformation. We should whenever there is an on-screen transformation, we should be talking about Indeed. it. Indeed. And there is an on-screen transformation in this movie. It is, and it's super long. It is so long. 
and gross because his skin is bubbling. It's truly revolting. Like I've said, other transformations are revolting. This is the grossest one. Like I would, while watching this movie, I was feeling nauseous because his skin is bubbling and like things are growing and falling off and getting bigger and his mouth gets really wide and you see a whole lot of gums and then it starts to stretch and it's oh, really yeah, yeah. disgusting. The scene when his mouth comes out, it's real. It's a lot. It's it's a really it's really good effect. Like it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And so I can understand why people were like, this is incredible. Because it's incredibly gross. Yeah. So it, it, this werewolf transformation scene is Im- probably long compared to how quickly Marsha and Bill turn into werewolves. Yeah. So it... I really think it's just a filmmaking technique so that we can see the transformation yes. and what it is. And, and it's gory and it's scary. And frankly, maybe... Because this is in line with how long it takes them to transform later. Yeah. That, but, so I'm thinking, oh my god. I'm wondering if, like, sex hormones speed up the speed process. Speed up, yeah, that could make sense. That'd be interesting. Because I don't think they transform completely. No, I don't think we see full transformations, but also no. we just see it's a shadow on the side of a... True. Of a cartoon shadow on the side <laughs> of a rock. Yes, so... Um, Eddie is transforming. Terry is basically gonna die regardless, and Chris is still on the phone and hearing it happen. Right. So Chris is like, "Terry, Terry, blah 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 blah," because he stayed to tie up loose ends. Yeah. Um. He hears all of this happen. He hears Terry die. Yes. And then he's like, "Let me go get those silver bullets. I am coming to save the day." Oh, do do we want to like describe the werewolf? Yeah, go for it. So I have a picture right here. If you want to remember what it looks like? Yeah. So the werewolf in this movie, um, definitely more dog-like than the werewolf from last week, or really, yeah, any of the weeks that we've watched this far, except for maybe Twilight, where they're just straight up wolves. That's true. Yeah, these ones very much are more animalistic looking. Like you can tell because of the stature that they came from humans. Which is different than Twilight, but, like, distinct from the other movies. But, like, yeah, their ears are really big. They have pretty pronounced snouts. They are skinnier than other wolves that we've seen. They're lean. They're lean. Um, Most of the wolves we've seen have been gray or black, Mm -hmm. again, except for Twilight. Yeah. Uh, These ones are brown. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess the final Ginger Snaps form is a dog. Yeah. But... Yeah, because she wasn't really hairy on her. She had no hair. No. (laughs) <laughs> that, that, and, that and we, we were like, mm, shiny oh. wolf. <laughs> Woo, that's something. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's interesting. Yeah. I don't want to say it's anticlimactic for like how long the transformation is, but it's. It, 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 the transformation happens and then it ends really quickly. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, some other stuff happens. Who cares? We don't care. <laughs> Chris shows up Mm -hmm. after Karen discovers that Bill is one of them. Because they're all, like, leading her out into... They want to transform her. Mm -hmm. So they, like... A couple of them, like, grab her and bring her to this barn. Yeah. They bring her to the barn. And she's, like... (laughs) Marsha is standing there, and there's a whole bunch of people standing behind her. And she's like, no, I won't go. And then Dr. Wagner walks in, very clearly associated with them. And she, mm-hmm. like, runs to him and is like, Dr. Wagner. And he goes, oh, no, girl. <laughs> he lit- that's his I mean, that's literal, literal line. Lines. Oh, no. 
Um, and so, like, he reveals that he has this colony, this, like, space for all these werewolves to live that is removed from the rest of civilization because they will not be accepted by civilization. And then it becomes um, clear that Marsha and a bunch of the other people are unsatisfied. Yeah. And they're, like, so there's like a rift. dissatisfied. I am literate. You can say unsatisfied. That's fine. They, there's a rift, yes. Dr. Wagner is technically in charge. However, Marsha and her younger, stronger, more agile group are like, no, no, let's get back to what we deserve, which is yeah. a real life and real society. Exactly. Um, so anyways, Chris shows up and shoots a ton of them with silver bullets. So many. He has a million bullets. It truly seems like he has an unending supply. Yeah. He... he locks most of them with Karen kind of helping. Yeah. <laughs> She's mostly just holding the door shut. He locks most of them in the barn um, and sets the barn on fire. Yeah. And he and Karen escape, but then they run into a werewolf police officer. Yes. A wolf cop, if you will. A wolf cop, but not a good one. No. A bad one. Um. And then he shoots him. They shoot each other. They shoot at each other. But the cop can't aim for shit. No. So it ends up with Chris just hitting the the cop. Yeah. And then another wolf runs up on the other side and gets into the car. Something. And that wolf is Bill. Yes. Um. They do have to kill Bill. They have to kill Bill. Bill does die. But you know they he's a piece of shit. They have to kill Bill. They have to kill Bill. <laughs> they kill Bill too. <laughs> we referenced two of my favorite movies on this podcast. <laughs> we'll find a way to reference the others. So, after all of that, they go to the. It's a few. It's a little later. I don't know how long later. Days, hours, probably years, probably days. Yeah. Um, they're at the studio, mm-hmm. and Karen has prepared a special broadcast Mm -hmm. to expose werewolves to the wider world. Yes. And I think this is the most interesting thing the movie does. Mm -hmm. I would agree. So she's giving the journalism, and her boss is like, what's she doing? She's going off script. Yes. And we see, like, people all around the world watching her. Yes. Um, And then to really convince people... She turns into a werewolf. Right on camera. Because she was bitten. Mm-hmm. And she can do that. And uh, I really like Dee Wallace's performance during the transformation. She's, like, shaking. She's crying. Like, yeah. her voice is, like, getting really, like, um, um, I don't know what word I'm thinking of. Frantic. Yeah. And and then she transforms, but her werewolf doesn't look like any of the other werewolves. Her werewolf isn't scary like the other ones. No, it's weird. I was like, what is that? It's not a very flattering werewolf for no, Dee Wallace. It's not. I mean, it's it sucks that they made her werewolf look like this because it makes no sense. No, but I guess if I was watching the news and all of a sudden I was like informed that werewolves existed, I would want to be like, oh... That's not very scary. Because it's like... Do you want to remind her of what it looks like? Yes. Right, she kind of looks like a Shih Tzu. Yeah. She looks like Chewbacca. She does. She looks like Chewbacca if they, like, shrunk the face. Yeah. Like, it's very small and very wiry hair. 
surrounding exactly. the head. It, 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 it just doesn't look like the werewolves in the rest of the movies. No. In the rest of the movie. Correct. Um, I don't know what the werewolves look like in the sequels. but When we never have to find out. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. People like the second and third one. I mean, I, we, I might. If it's free, They're free on Prime. Both two and oh, three are free Oh, then I'll watch it. Anyway, she transforms into a werewolf. She seems pretty contained. It doesn't look like she's going to attack anyone. But before the broadcast even started, Chris was like, I don't want to do it. And she was like, you got to. And that didn't really make sense to me until he shoots her on camera. He kills her. Holy fuck. I mean, I truly was taken aback by this. Mm. Um, It's just not often. I mean, yeah, characters die all the time. But, like, for... A lead to have gone through the things she went through and to end this way. It, it's it's just not something that really happens in a lot of movies. Mm-mm. So I was true I was surprised. Um and what a bleak ending. Yeah, it's depressing. Like she survived so much and then um died. Just yeah. like that. Just like that. Oh, here's her mid-transformation. Like this is what I mean. Like, she looks yeah, like she looks she's hairy. in pain. She looks sad. It, it does, I think, tie up the it, loose ends of her emotional... Journey? Journey. Yeah, it, it, okay, it makes sense. Yeah. If I was writing this movie, I probably would have ended it the same way. Yeah. But, man, it, it was uh, R.I.P. Karen. Rip. Um, so we've seen a whole bunch of people watching the broadcast live. And the very last scene that we cut to is a bar where they're playing this. Mm-hmm. And a man orders himself a pepper steak. Mm-hmm. And then says, and something for the lady. Burger for the lady? Well, yes. She does get a burger. But first, they're talking about how, like, man, the special effects shit they do these days yes, is wild. Yes. So they don't even believe it's real. And that's the other part of the bleak ending. She got killed on camera and people don't even and think it's real. people don't even recognize that. Like, that's the truly the end of her life. Yeah. Which is sad. It is fucking depressing. Which I think it would have landed harder if the, if the rest of the movie had been, like... I don't know, that ballsy, you Mm, know? mm -hmm. Like, I feel like there's an incredibly powerful story in there that just needed some extra care. Yes, I agree. This isn't like Underworld Evolution, where I truly believe that they should have scrapped it and started over. Yeah, no, there were definitely some poignant bits they just maybe needed to fine-tune a little bit. Yeah, um... I am very interested in a remake of this movie, especially if it follows the same story, mm-hmm. but, like, tweaks it, like, yeah. a little yeah. bit to make it a little tighter. I agree. I, I, I'll i probably watch it. You watch it It'll be on Netflix, so. Yeah. yeah. Might as well. But, anyway, to fit, actually finish the movie. Yeah. Um, a man in a bar, and he and his colleagues or peers or something are talking about how they don't even believe the, like, special effects these days when she's really just died. And then he orders himself food, and he orders something for the lady next to him. Mm-hmm. We pan the camera slightly to the left, and it's Marsha. She's not dead. She's not. She's still alive. And, like, the last line of the movie is the bartender asks her how she wants her hamburger, and she says, rare. Yes. And then we, like, zoom in on the burger. Right. 
Which, by the way, gets done a little bit better than rare, I think. Oh, I think so. It's pretty brown. It's pretty, like, brown-gray by the I time. I I've so, never cooked a burger. <laughs> me neither, but I'm pretty sure rare is not supposed to not be pink. Yeah, I think it's supposed to. Anyway, she, I don't think she gets what she asked for. No, oh, but okay. it is kind of funny that the credits play over the making yes. of the burger. <laughs> I agree. Oh, so that's the howling. Mm-hmm. It was fine. I don't know. It, it like, I wanted to like this movie a lot. I really did, but it just didn't. I didn't get it. Yeah. I didn't. Which is fine. Not everyone gets every movie, but I really, yeah, I just didn't get. I I didn't get it. No, me either. It's not the worst movie we've seen. Mm -mm. No, it had parts where I was like, okay, yeah, I'm here, I'm present, I enjoy it. I I do like this continued toying with the idea of like lycanthropy as metaphor. Yeah. Um, so it relates to kind of to cursed and ginger snaps that way, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Wolf Cop actually a little bit too. We didn't really touch on this in the episode, but lycanthropy is kind of like analogous to alcoholism in that movie. Mm-hmm. And so yes. it's like these really interesting parallels are being made, but it could have right. been made a little, a little bit more cleaner. I did, yeah, I did really enjoy that there was a psychological aspect and that they were at a mental health institution in this film and that they were like there's like a scene where she's in group therapy and like do i like that they put her in the middle of the circle no (laughs) they don't do that to you at group therapy but i i do think it is interesting to have that inner turmoil reflected in the physical transformation from Mm -hmm. human to werewolf and it does they do they clearly were attempting something and they almost had it yeah and i think in a remake they can maybe nail it a little bit Hopefully. Yeah. They'll nail it a little bit more on the head. I agree. I liked it, so mm-hmm. I have faith in the director. Yeah. We'll see. Fingers crossed. So that's it on the howling, but because I don't want this episode to be super short, mm-hmm. I think we're just going to have kind of a general conversation to mm-hmm. lead us out this, this week. Sure. So yeah, I want to connect it actually back to our favorite movie so we can get those done uh do you remember what your three favorite movies that you said were i do not it was scott pilgrim midsummer and spirited away oh and so mine were texas chainsaw kill bill and batman returns yes. and i'd like us to just take a like 30 seconds to describe why we like each movie okay yeah we'll start with the movies we've covered yes. so juno why don't you start with scott pilgrim scott pilgrim I, again, and we, you know, really talked about Scott Pilgrim for two hours yes. on the podcast. But you didn't say that much. No. I tried, well, I was either in a depressive episode or heading into one. I did not speak that much during that episode. Um, but I do. I really love that movie because I think it is applicable to so many different people in so many different walks of life. I like that the um, person who wrote it is in marginalized communities i like the diversity or attempt at diversity that the film produces and it's just incredibly nostalgic to me i feel really it it feels familiar and watching it every single time i'm like i remember this i remember watching this for the first time i remember enjoying this for the first time and i think that still rings true for me even what is it six months later thinking about why it rings true for like mage and for cole and for you just like 
I think anybody can find themselves somewhere in that movie. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. I also, I love Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. It's such a good time. Um, I will talk about the other movie that we've covered mm-hmm. out of these six, which is, of course, The Texas Chainsaw mm-hmm. Massacre. Ooh, I don't even know where to begin. I saw this movie for the first time uh, early 2019. Mm-hmm. And I just fell in love with it. I, I just I just did it I like everything I it wasn't what I was expecting it to be mm-hmm. um it was incredible I just I, I just I just love it yeah I, that's it that's it, it's one of the most perfect movies ever made as far as like what it's going for and what it accomplishes mm-hmm. and it's really really w- rare to see a movie be so successful at what it's trying to do. And I just love that. So it, it connected to me, even though it's not like a warm, fuzzy movie. Yeah. I get warm and fuzzy thinking about it as an artist. <laughs> sure. So I have only positive feelings. Yeah. Like when I think about that movie. Yeah. That's, I like that. Yeah. That's so cute. Yeah. I don't know. We can go back to you. We'll go back and forth. Yeah. We can talk about Midsummer. Okay. I think this is, again, a movie I saw just for the first time either early this year or at the end of last year. Well, it came out in July of last year, so it would have had yeah, to be so after that. Yeah, so it's at the end of last year, the beginning of this year. I'm not really sure. And I'm not so sure if it is still my favorite, one of my favorite movies. I don't, I just want to think about it when you brought this topic up. But like, I think it's just visually very beautiful, and I like the storyline, and it's unique from other movies that I've seen before. So watching it for the first time, I was like, oh, this is a kind of, psychological horror that I really enjoy that I hadn't experienced before and I think that's probably why I threw it on my favorite movies list I'm not sure not I don't think it's one of my favorite movies I think it just is really stuck with me um and I'd like to see more movies like it and I think that's all I have to say on it yeah I I obviously I love Midsummer. it was my favorite movie of last year Mm -hmm. I've said this before, but I don't know if I said this on a podcast. After I saw Midsummer, I went home and I th- cried so hard I threw up. Oh. So. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's so much. It just brought up a lot for me. <laughs> like, thinking... Because, I mean, at its heart, Midsummer is a movie about a breakup. Yeah. Right? And it, it kind of brought some stuff up for me. Um, which is uh, actually why I haven't watched it recently. Yeah, I don't think I could... I mean, I watched it. <laughs> So okay. I don't think I would watch it again yes. <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, yeah, and actually Christian reminded me so much of... Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it, it just hit it hit me in the gut. And it, Florence Pugh, incredible, incredible actress. actress. Ugh, one, one of the best of our generation, oh, for absolutely. sure. I mean, between this and Little Women, I think... She had maybe the best two performances in a single year that I've ever seen. She's as far as like literally within one year, yeah. two movies two that movies. are a both that good and then have that level of performance from her. Right, she does not falter. She's incredible. Yeah, so it created a Florence Pugh stand of me, and that's all. Rock on, should baby! Be. I, absolutely. <laughs> Okay, so my next movie I want to talk about is Kill Bill. Again, I find this movie... Well, maybe not again, but similarly to Midsummer, I think this movie is really cathartic. Yes. 
Man, the last, like, ten minutes of Kill Bill Volume 2 are devastating. And also beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's a very visually enticing movie. Oh, yeah. It's a gorgeous set of movies. It's... I mean, I really consider it one movie. Is that my phone? The both of them together? Yeah. Um, even though they are kind of... Like, part one is kind of like a martial arts epic, and mm-hmm. part two is like a western almost. Yeah, yes. Um, they still together tell one cohesive story, and it's a tragic story. And I love tragic stories. And, like, the, again, I cry every time at the end of that. When she realizes her daughter is still alive, like... Top five moments in all of film history. It's so good. It's so good. Uma Thurman is constantly doing what the other girls are not. Facts. She delivers. I mean, it's her her performance that makes me cry mm-hmm. when she sees her daughter. Um, and then, you know, her delivery of "I could have had BB." It, it's uh, it's I that's that's it. That's all there is to say. Yes, because there isn't. Yeah. anything to say about it it's just it is it just is it's my favorite movie of all time i don't think it will ever change and that makes sense that's super fair. it's it's just it's it's perfect <laughs> it's so good okay uh so last one for you is spirited Away. yeah speaking of movies that just will not change from being beloved i watched spirited away when i was really young and mm-hmm. feeling very lost and it that feeling of not knowing who you are and not having your own name and not feeling like one of the people around you when you are like a youth is so poignant like (laughs) there's just no way to talk and experience that movie and think about how uncertain everything she does is and yet she knows she's working towards something like that movie is my favorite movie of all time has been my favorite movie like I just truly adore it I, like, almost started tearing up thinking about Spirited Away. It's so gorgeous. It's so beautiful. I mean, talk about a visually stunning movie. It's visually appealing. Every Studio Ghibli movie is truly, like, the most beautiful movie I've ever seen until I see the next Studio Ghibli movie. Like, it's so consumable, and it's so... It delivers every single movie I've seen by Studio Ghibli. I've just been, like, 100% there. Spirited Away, like, My Neighbor Totoro... Stunning. <sighs> Stunning. Kiki's delivery service. Adorable. Uh, yes. Kiki's delivery service, like that's up there slaps. for me too. It I love truly that. Truly is so good. But I just think it's beautiful the way that like they deliver that feeling of like uncertainty to like a youthful audience, mm-hmm. and it makes sense then the way it makes sense now of being like, I literally, who am I? <laughs> like right. what? That's the thing. Uh, I'm putting this in air quotes, but, like, kids' films can be so powerful. Yes. When, like, honestly, I really liked Frozen 2. I haven't seen it. I think it's one of the better Disney animated movies because it it has things to say. Mm -hmm. Like, Frozen... People think of Frozen as this weird cash grab movie, but, like, that came after Frozen came out, you know? Yeah. Like, Frozen wasn't guaranteed to... I mean, no. it was a Disney movie, so it was going to be a big hit. Right. Nobody knew what Frozen was going to be. But then Frozen 2 comes out, and it could have just been this lazy sequel. But it, I think it's a really powerful movie. Mm. And that's just another example, I think, of, like, a kid's film that was really powerful. Yeah. Um, I Yeah. Yeah. So... The last of our six movies we're going to talk mm-hmm. about, and the last of mine, 
is like Juno, it's a movie I saw pretty young, and that is Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. And I love it for a lot of the same reasons you love um, Spirited Away. Yeah. This movie is about three very, very broken people mm-hmm. trying to survive and doing it their own way. Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman is one of the best performances I mean in in cinema but like specifically I think it's the best performance in a superhero movie ever she's so talented she's like her Catwoman is incredible it's incredible it's different it's unique I, I mean again speaking of what the other girls are not doing I don't know why nobody has written as compelling a female superhero character since Catwoman True. And don't get me wrong, if I had a fourth movie, it would be Wonder Woman, because I fucking love Wonder Woman. <laughs> but it, even Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, I think, does not reach the levels of Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman in terms of complexity, in terms of gray areas, in terms of like performances that go from one emotion to the complete opposite emotion. True. Like... The scene when she and Bruce realize that they are Batman and Catwoman, it's phenomenal. It's so, I mean, and also the aesthetic of the movie, this beautiful gothic Christmas time. Like, I just adore it. It's it's visually pleasing. The characters are compelling. It's really dark. It's a tragedy at the end. It's, it's the tragedy mm-hmm. of Penguin. Like, yeah. Danny DeVito, I mean, incredible in everything he does. But this, again, this might be Danny DeVito's best performance. He's so good. And yeah, I know it's a Batman movie, so you're like, how good can it really be? I don't know why superhero movies can't be this good anymore. I don't know. I don't get it. It's really, like, but for some reason, nobody has managed to get characters as compelling as Batman Returns. In this is just my opinion, but it's my gold standard for superhero yeah. movies, and yeah. it has not been met yet. Wonder Woman, I think, is I would call the closest, but for that, that's how epic that movie is. Yeah. Like they're doing two different things. Yeah. Wonder Woman is like this epic story about like gods and stuff, which is yeah. great and I love. But Batman Returns, despite being like a Batman movie, is this character study. Of sad people. Mm-hmm. And- I, yeah. I do feel like when I first saw Batman Returns, I didn't go into it expecting the emotional turmoil that actually happens in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you go into Wonder Woman or you go into, like, Suicide Squad because that's another one of our favorites. Like, yes. And you're like, I know that I'm going to be super overwhelmed or super compelled or super, like, emotionally invested. I went into Batman Returns and I was like, this is another Batman movie. <laughs> and I left and I was like, uh, oh, oh, yes, yes. Yeah, I, true, yeah. I, I don't even, I think it would be a great one to talk about someday on the podcast, mm-hmm. although I might not be able to form sentences. That's okay, I'll, I'll make a like, structure. Oh. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah. And, I mean, we love different Batman movies for different reasons. Like, we love Batman and Robin because it's so silly. So silly. But Batman Returns is just good. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I enjoyed ending this episode with this. I think talking it about good. movies we. I think we should end every episode with a movie we loved, whether it's the movie we watched or whether it's. I like that. A, oh, you know, just another movie that we both like. Mm-hmm. So, I think we'll start doing that from now on. Sounds good. Yeah, next week is a game episode. Woo-woo! We will be doing werewolf speed dating. I'm so, so excited. Where it's going to be like our first episode, except the questions are going to be like werewolf themed. And then, of course, I'm sure the answers will get away from werewolves. But Of course. Yeah. Until then, on The Howling, that's That's it. it.